Beach Community Church, good morning. My name is Charbel. I'm on staff here at PBCC. I just want to say welcome. If you're a first-time guest, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Just a quick reminder, when you guys walked in, everyone received the program. There's a comment card in there. Please don't forget to fill that out, especially if you're a first-time guest. We want to get to know you. That way, at the end of service, you can drop that in the offering basket. Why don't you guys go ahead, stand up, and greet a few people around you.
Let's get our hands together this morning. We hope you guys are ready to sing with us. Let's sing this out together. We will sing, sing, sing. God's love is relentless this morning. We're going to sing this to him today. Let's get our hands together.
sounds a new beginning as distant hearts begin believing redemption's bid is unrelenting his love goes on your love goes on your love
open to worship you this morning. You are the God of wonders, Father. Let's sing this out. Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and skies, the heavens are your tabernacle, glory to the Lord on high. You sing, and God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy.
we're here to worship you this morning. Lord, we 
worship you this morning for who you are in our lives. You're so wonderful to us, Father. Father, the price that you paid sending your son to die on that cross, God, is more than what we can ever imagine or ask for, Father. So we thank you for the love that you have for us this morning, God. Would you please touch us with the word that you have in store for us this morning? In Jesus' name. Oh, that's good water. Good morning, and welcome to Palm Beach Community Church. We've had an incredible week this week with the Global Leadership Summit, and I just want to take a second and just thank some of you that came in, that volunteered. We had like 20-plus people who took time off from work, came in and served the Capital C Church and pastors and leaders throughout Palm Beach County as we met here on Thursday and Friday. And then we had many of you that joined us that came and, and were part of the summit. And just thank you. Matter of fact, if you served or if you came to the Global Leadership Summit, can you stand real quick and let us just uh, thank you and let us know how much we appreciate you serving. Go ahead, stand on up. You were there. It was an awesome time. We're all challenged and fired up. And the dangerous thing is now you're going to pay for it this morning. You know, because when you guy get filled up, you know, it just comes out. But I do have a time limit. But, you know, we only have one service, so, well, whatever. Okay. Well, we've been in this four-part series. Um, you know, we've been discussing how a lot of our emotional unhappiness, a lot of our spiritual unrest is caused by the lies we have come to believe. I mean, Satan is a great liar. And he, over time, tries to subtly seduce us to buy into lies that confuse us, that trap us. And it's not until we identify these lies and we replace them with the truth will we discover spiritual wholeness and, and, and discover the happiness we've been looking for. You see, as we talked about, in many ways, our, our brains are kind of like our own personal iCloud. I mean, you know, iCloud's taking over the world. I mean, we have our own personal iCloud out there that's following us around wherever we go, and it's recording every event, every thought, every word, and those words and those thoughts subconsciously are constantly being replayed in the recesses of our minds. Thoughts like, I'm not good enough. I need to be perfect. I can't really be happy unless things go my way. Thoughts like, other people's unhappiness, you know, and their problems is the reason why I'm not happy. Or, life is supposed to be fair. 
Life is supposed to be easy. I can have it all. I'm entitled to more than this. And these thoughts that we have over time become subconscious lies that we come to believe. Now, some of us over time, we've bought into some of these subconscious thoughts about marriage. Lies like, my spouse should meet all my needs. You know, we enter marriage thinking that. Or, I shouldn't have to change. My spouse should just accept me the way that I am. Yeah, right. Or, my spouse should become more like me. Have you ever heard that one, honey? You know, that was a lie I bought into for the first five or ten years of our marriage. My wife kind of came from a, a family that she's done incredibly. It was kind of a dysfunctional family, as she describes it. And my family was, quote, healthy. So, of course, I thought that she needed to become a lot more like me. That's a lie that I believed that brought damage to our relationship and our marriage. I just subtly kind of bought into it. My spouse should be more like me. Or if marriage is difficult, you know, we must just not be right for each other. And over time, these subconscious lies get roots in our mind and in our lives. Brent did an incredible job last week. He talked about some of the lies that we subtly come to believe about God, and we don't even realize it. Lies like, you know, I'm not good enough, and I can't perform well enough, and, and you know, God, i got to earn God's love. And we as Christians, we really buy into that lie. And we end up with, yeah, i got to earn God's approval. Or life should be easy now that I'm a Christian. Or all the problems in my life are caused by my sin. Well, what about Daniel and Joseph and Job and Jesus, you know? But yet we buy into these lies. Or God can't really use me because of what I've done in the past. And God can't really forgive me. Well, God forgives me, but doesn't really forgive those big sins. And what happens in life? What happens? We get stuck and we become like a bird. Remember that analogy that we're trying to fly, but we have a broken wing? And a bird can fly with a broken wing, but it doesn't fly too well, and it's painful. And many of us are living life, and we're living life, but it's, it's painful because subconsciously our mind has been taken captive, and we've bought into these lies that we believe. But Jesus says, the truth, the truth will set you free. So the question before us this morning is, how do we find the truth? How do we find the truth? And how do we live a life based upon the truth? And I got five steps for us, five points, five ideas for us this morning. Number one is this. It starts with us being ruthlessly honest with ourselves. Can you say that with me? It starts with us being ruthlessly honest with ourselves. Ruthlessly is not up there. I added that this morning. That was a good word. And, uh, and that, it starts with us being ruthlessly honest with ourselves to take a deep, dark look inside our hearts and to be honest about what we see. We need to ask ourselves that, that why question, that penetrating why question, like why do I feel this way? Why do I defend myself so much? Why do I feel like I have to prove myself? Or why do I always have to be right? Why do I at times feel inferior? I doubt myself. Why am I so combative? Why can't I turn the other cheek? Why do I hold on to this lie that life is supposed to be fair? Life is supposed to be easy? Or I have to have my own way in order to be happy? Why have I bought into this myth about marriage that love and romance just happens by happenstance? And if it's not happened to me, I must be married to the wrong person. Why do I feel i got to earn God's love? Why? Why is a very powerful, penetrating question. 
about 35 years ago, I remember meeting a, a lady that I really came to love. Her name was uh, Martha, Mrs. Sego, Mr. and Mrs. Sego. It was the first church I pastored. Mrs. Seagull is deceased now. I was like 20, 21 years of age pastoring that church and met this couple right down the street from the church. And they were kind of like almost old enough to be like my, my parents. And, and we loved the Seagulls. And I really loved Mr. Seagull and Mrs. Seagull. And one time, uh, Mrs. Seagull got bit by a very poisonous spider on her breast. And she was in the hospital. And I went by to see her. And I walked in to visit her and to pray with her. And and she wants to show me the spider bite. And I said, Martha, Mrs. Siegel, I don't need to see it. She said, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to lay your hands on it and pray for it? No lie. I, don't, I can't make this stuff up. I mean, I said, Mrs. Siegel, I'm sure. I'm sure. Another time, I went to see Mrs. Siegel in the hospital after she had surgery and, and uh she wants to show me her hysterectomy scar from her surgery. And Mr. Seagull's there, and he jumps up and says, Brother Ray, Brother Ray doesn't want to see your hysterectomy scar. And I'm in the corner saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, please. She says, Miss Seagull says, It would just feel so much better if Brother Ray would see my scar. And Mr. Seagull says, Martha, Brother Ray doesn't want to see your hysterectomy scar. And I said, let's just grab hands and pray, you know? <laughs> let's just grab hands and pray. Another time I came by to visit Mrs. Siegel. Matter of fact, Mr. Siegel called me, and Mrs. Siegel was all torn up, and she was distraught, and I went by to see them at their house, and um, she was kind of upset that a lot of the ladies in the church weren't coming to Bible study and prayer meeting and visitation, you know. And, and I sat there in her living room, listened to Mrs. Sego, and I'm not exaggerating, for more than an hour just listening to her as she just talked bad about every woman in the church. And then she looked at me and she said, Brother Ray, I want you to know that I'm no gossiper. <laughs> Other women gossip, but I don't gossip. And I sat there thinking, Really? Mr. Siegel's looking at me like this, you know, really? And I remember to this day, 35 years ago, getting in my car, driving home that night, really having a hard conversation with God because, you see, I loved Mrs. Siegel. I respected Mrs. Siegel, and I respect Mrs. Siegel. And I remember praying and saying, God, I don't want to be blind to myself like that. And I've been praying that same prayer for 25 years. It's so easy to be self-deceived. It's just too easy not to see the painful truth about ourselves. You see, in many ways as Christians, we're just like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. Because of their pride and prejudice, it kept them from seeing the truth about themselves. It kept them from seeing who Jesus was and is. And our pride and our prejudice keeps us from seeing the truth about ourselves. I mean, with pride and prejudice, the truth can come up and it can bite you right on the nose. But you don't see it. You don't see it. Our pride makes us arrogantly believe that we already know the truth. We already know the truth. And our prejudice keeps our mind closed to new truth. And then we get... Stuck in life, get this, 
blind to ourselves and blaming everybody else for our problems. You know, and I did exactly that too many years in my marriage. Blind to myself, blaming my wife, you know, for all my problems. Pride, prejudice. God puts it this way. God says, the heart, my heart, your heart, is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I know, I the Lord, I search all hearts and examine secret motives. You know, we can deceive ourselves, but we can't deceive God. God is not deceived. And if we want to live a life based upon the truth, it starts with being ruthlessly honest with ourselves. Step number two, we need to seek out the truth. Seek out the truth. Now, what, what does that mean? When we use that phrase, the truth, what is the truth? Truth is reality as it is. That's the truth. It's reality as it is, not as it seems to be. Can you say that with me? Truth is reality as it is, not as it seems to be. You see, we all see the world not as it is, but as we are. We all see the world through our individual lenses and perspectives and preferences. It's reality to us, but it's not necessarily the truth. Because truth is reality as it is, not as it seems to be. It might be your reality, but that doesn't necessarily make it true. It might be my reality, but that doesn't necessarily make it the truth. You remember, it wasn't too many years ago that our reality as a collective species, our reality seemed to indicate that the earth was flat like a pancake. You remember that? That was our reality. That was what we would say truth to us. It wasn't truth. It was our truth. It wasn't reality as it is. It was reality as it seemed to be. The truth is, it's a, the earth is a sphere, a globe. Truth is reality as it is, not as it seems to be. And we need to live in the realization of that truth. That what is real to us might not necessarily be the truth. It might be our perception, it might be our, 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 our preference, but it very well could be a lie that we believe and we've bought into. We've been seduced by the evil one, the God of lies. You see, the more we're able to see the truth about ourselves, reality as it is, the more we'll be able to see through the lies because lies and misbeliefs don't fit with true reality. So every single one of us we need to seek the truth. We need to seek reality as it is, not as it seems to be. And, and the more clearly we see reality it is, the better equipped we will be to deal with our stuff and our junk and our lies and, and those issues and lies we believe. You see, our view of reality is kind of like a map. And if the map is true and accurate, We'll generally know where we are on a map. I mean, a good map, it tells you you're right here, right? And if we have a good, accurate map, it tells you where you are and where you want to go and basically how to get there. But if our map is false, if our map is inaccurate, we believe lies, we generally will be lost, and life will be painful like a bird trying to fly with a broken wing. 
and it'll be hard. But the more we know the truth about ourselves, the better we'll see reality as it is. The greater our sense of purpose, the greater our sense of destiny will be. You see, God is the ultimate source of truth. God is truth. God sees reality as it is, not as it seems to be. And by the way, it was God through the prophet Isaiah some 2,800 years ago, I guess some 22, 2,300 years before Columbus sailed the ocean blue. God said this, he said, are you so ignorant? It is God who sits above the, what's the word? The circle, the Hebrew word for sapphire, for globe. It's God who sits above the circle of the earth. Isaiah is telling us that, that God's presence covers this earth. He sees reality as it is, not as it seems to be. God is the true source of truth. And because God is the true source of truth, we need to seek Him because He sees reality as it is. You see, we can't just rely upon how I feel or how you feel or what I think or what you think or based upon what some friend tells us or what some TV pop psychologist tells us or some book tells us. As the Apostle Paul puts it, we need divine disclosure. Paul told the Corinthians this. He said, but we know these things because God has, God has done what? Divine disclosure. Paul says, God has revealed them to us by His Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And His Spirit searches out everything and, what's the word? Shows us even God's deep secrets. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except the person alone. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. But, or and, probably should be but, God has actually given us His Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. God has given us His Spirit so we can know and live in the truth. The Holy Spirit makes God's truth come to light. Come to light. Step number three. We find God's truth in the Bible. Say it with me. We find God's truth in the Bible. Now, while um, a lot of different important pieces of life journey can be learned through knowledge and through education and through experience and logic and counseling, the most crucial pieces go beyond those sources and only can be revealed to us by divine disclosure. Listen to what Paul told Timothy. Paul said, all Scripture, let's read this together out loud, can we in one voice? All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now let's look at this passage of Scripture. Let's, let's break this thing down. First of all, it says all Scripture is what? Inspired. Inspired comes from the Greek word theopneuptos, compound word. Theop means God, theos, God. Nuptos means breath. All Scripture, God breathed. God breathed His truth. God breathed His words into Scripture. 
So God breathed the truth into Scripture. And because God breathed His words, because God sees reality as it is, not as we see reality. God sees. God knows the truth. God is the author of truth. God is the source of truth. And now God inspires and He speaks. And then it says, they teach us what is true. The Bible teaches what is true. Reality as it is, not what we want it to be. And that teaches us the right path to follow. And then it says it makes us do what? What's the next word? Realize, right? It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. You see, there's a right and there's a wrong. There's a right and there's a wrong. And the Word of God helps us to see the wrong in our lives. Helps us to see the the pride, the prejudice, the pain, the self-deception. It helps us see what's wrong in our life. The lies we believe about life, about ourselves, about our marriage, about God. And then it says, they correct us when we're wrong. The truth of Scripture kind of leads us back to the truth. They help us to replace the lies that we subtly buy into and believe with the truth. And then it says, they Teach us to do what is right. They train us to live by the truth. You see, God, who is the ultimate source of truth, has chosen to reveal the truth to us in the Bible. You see, your Bible is kind of like God's roadmap. And in this roadmap, you can see and know and live the truth. And I don't know of a better tool over the years of my life that have helped me see my heart and see my motives and see myself than developing the spiritual discipline of every morning while it's still dark to open that book and to read it and be honest and sincere and help God help me see myself. Jesus said it this way. If you hold to my teaching, now where do we find Jesus' teaching? Alright, if you hold to my teachings in your Bible, you are really my disciples. In other words, if you live and you do what I've taught you to do, then that is evidence, that is fruit, that your faith is real, that you're really my disciples. And then you will know the, what's the word? Truth, and the truth will set you free. When you know and understand God's perspective, reality as it is, not as it seems to be, you will be set free from those lies that we all tend to believe. God's truth will set us free. Now, what I have found uh, that people, people who do not see God's perspective, be it Christian people, non-Christian people, doesn't really matter, but people who don't live their life, people who don't see God's perspective, they're often frustrated in life. And they're constantly asking themselves, why is this happening to me? What have I done to deserve this? Because they're not living life in the light of God's truth, of God's perspective. They're frustrated. They're not living by the truth. Their map is inaccurate. And they're walking, kind of like the children of Israel in the wilderness. They're kind of walking in circles and they're very frustrated. So what do we need to do? 
We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to seek the truth. We find God's truth in the Bible. And then step number four, knowing the truth will often lead to, what's the word? Pain. Aren't you excited I put this one in here? Knowing the truth will often lead to pain. I need to be honest. I need to tell you the painful truth. When you see God's perspective, it's going to require change in your life. The biblical word, the Greek word for that is metanoia, a change in our thinking which results in the change in the direction of our life. And when you begin to see God's truth, when you begin to see God's perspective, it calls out for change. And change is painful. Change often hurts. The truth often hurts. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's why many of us avoid the truth. It's not only because of our pride and our prejudice, it's because of it's painful. It's painful. So we continue on living our life by the lies we believe. Because seeing reality as it is, not as we are, is very painful. So we avoid the truth. James, the half-brother of Jesus, put it this way. He says, don't merely listen to the word. Don't just hear it. And so, what's the word? Deceive yourselves. Live a self-deceived life. James said, say it with me, do what it says. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't, what's it say? Do what it says is like a man who's looking at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. The Bible is God's truth. It's reality as it is. It helps set us free. It gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but, what's the words? Doing it. He will be blessed in what he does. You see, knowing the truth leads to pain, but knowing the truth ultimately leads to freedom. Knowing the truth ultimately leads to blessing. As we get our perspective in, in alignment with God's perspective, we live a blessed life. We live a better life. We live a life that's in sync with God. And that doesn't mean it's not hard. It just means that God's real and God's present and God's truth is like a, a compass that's guiding and directing and leading our life. Step number five. Living by the truth will set us free. Now, some of us this morning, uh, we need to kind of learn the truth. Some of us, we need to read the Bible. We need to study the Bible. We need to really get into a growth group. We need to learn God's perspective. Jesus said, your mistake is that you don't know the Scripture. You don't know God's perspective. Because you don't know God's perspective, you're making mistakes. And many of you this morning, you'd probably say, you know, that's, that's kind of me. I, I really don't know the Scriptures. I need to see God's perspective. I need to read the Scriptures. How many of you would say you're kind of there? You need to kind of see, all right? Appreciate many of your honesty. Now, if you noticed, most of us didn't raise our hands, right? Not because we're not being honest. I, I think we're being honest. But I think apparently probably the vast, vast majority of us in here this morning, we... 
know the truth. We know that God's the ultimate source of truth. We know that God, through His Holy Spirit, has chosen to reveal His truth to us. But yet, yet, we're not living the truth. And we're frustrated. One of my best friends of all time, Dr. Tommy Kiedis, who we worked as colleagues together for, I don't know, 23, 25 years. Uh, when he was at Palm Beach Community Church, one of his favorite quotes that he would say often, probably every year, is we as Christians often think we need more truth and more knowledge. You know, feed me, feed me, feed me. But what we need is to live by the truth we do know. We're not living by the truth. We know the truth. And what Palm Beach Community Church, it's about life application. It's about helping you take the truth and live it and do it in your life. John Huss, one of the great reformers of the Reformation said, Seek the truth. Listen to the truth. Teach the truth. And defend the truth unto death. And John Huss died standing for the truth. And it takes an honest, courageous person to step away from culture, to step away from the crowd and say, you know, I don't care what the rest might think. I am going to live my life based upon God's perspective and God's truth and God's point of view. We must see the truth as something so inherently pure and strong that nothing, not even the end of life on earth, will cause it to fail. If we don't see the truth, as something eternal, our commitment to it will be weak and shallow. And we won't be able to grow. We won't be able to change. You see, truth is eternal because God is eternal. And God is truth. That's why you can take a book that was written thousands of years ago and it can speak so strongly in my life, in your life, because it's the truth. And it's not limited by culture. It's not limited by time. It's the truth. And it is the truth that will set us free, that will set us free from the lies that we so often believe. So I ask you this morning to make a commitment to truly live by the truth. To not just know the truth, but to base your life on the truth, to constantly pursue the truth, to do the truth. Now, to help make my point here, um, and to kind of help illustrate what, what Dr. Tommy was meaning when he, he said Christians don't need more truth or deeper truth. We always, he knows we, we always need to grow, but they need to do the truth. They need to do what they know. You know, I think we all, or a vast, vast majority, we all know that, that God's made it pretty clear that those who do not put their faith in Jesus Christ go out to a Christless eternity. And that's kind of nice words for saying they go to hell, right? You know, I mean, we, we, kinda, we all know that. That's the truth. That, that's, that's God's perspective. That's Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through what? Me. I mean, that's the truth. And I would say that we probably all here, or many of us here would say, you know, I know that truth and I believe that truth. But the question is, are you living it? Are you doing it? Am I doing it? 
I mean, am I going to do the truth this week and do my best effort to invite someone to church next Sunday? Because I know as a church, we have like one of the rare times out of the year that we have a, a concert that's just a great time to bring in people that are far from God to hear the truth. Am I going to do the truth this week and, and share my faith? See, it's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to believe that truth so passionately that you attempt to do the truth. Can we bow our heads in prayer? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Jesus wants to set us free. He wants to set us free from the lies we believe by knowing and living and doing the truth. Are you willing to be honest right now and say, God, help me to see myself? Help me to see the truth. Can you pray right now and say, God, help me to see reality as it is, not just as I want it to be. And maybe this morning for some of you, you're beginning to see reality as it is. You're beginning to see who Jesus is. And maybe right now you need to pray and say, God, I see reality as it is. I see my own sinful heart and that I need a Savior and that you're a loving God and you sent your very own Son to die for my sins. I put my faith in Him. Can you express that right now to God? Others of us, can we all pray and say, God, help me to see the truth. Help me to, to read and study and know your truth. God, help me to get into a growth group. Help me to see reality as you see it. Help me to see your perspective because you're the God of truth. Can you pray and say, God, help me to be a doer of your word, not just a hearer. Help me to do the truth. God, we pray this morning that you will help us to seek, listen, teach, love, abide, and defend the truth unto death. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.